Uh, this morning, happy Easter, everybody. We are we really are celebrating more than more than usual. Even the reason why we're here that, that Jesus conquered the grave today. Uh, so conveniently, we've been we've been talking about things are getting better. It's kind of been a series we've been in for about a month and a half or two months, and uh, we talked about. Jesus has defeated sickness. Jesus has defeated sin. He's defeated poverty. And it was very convenient. Today we're going to talk about Jesus defeated death. So what a, what a more appropriate time to talk about than, than that than Easter. Uh, so we are going to talk about how Jesus defeated to death today. Uh, as we've been talking about things are getting better, there's our guy. Uh, anybody ever read the cartoon B.C.? That guy, the guy that draws that is, is a very staunch Christian. And so there's the, uh, the little cartoon character from B.C. He saw the, the empty grave one morning and he said, yes. So it's, uh, that's what we should all experience when we see the empty tomb and the empty grave. Yes, Jesus, you did that and you live in me. Uh, so we've been saying that as part of things are getting better, we've been talking about being kingdom optimists. We're not optimists just for the sake of bury our head in the sand and kind of ignore what's going on and hope things are getting better. Uh, a kingdom optimist is defined as someone that believes all the promises in the Bible are true. Do we have any kingdom optimists in the room? If, if we believe that all the stuff that's promised in the Bible is true, that should make us optimistic. That should give us hope. We sang that in the song this morning about hope. Hope is alive in me. Shouldn't hope be alive in Christians? I mean, I mean, it's... It scares me sometimes when you see people in the world that have a more hopeful and optimistic outlook on what's going to happen than the body of Christ. We are the ones that are filled with hope. That ought to be the message that's being declared to the world. So what we've been looking at over the course of this series, we've seen that Jesus completely conquered all enemies at the cross. Every single one of them. You can come up with the entire list. It doesn't matter. He defeated them at the cross through his death, through his resurrection. He accomplished it. But what's been happening is the physical manifestation of that victory has been rolling out for the last 2,000 years. That's, that's, I don't know why, but sometimes we, we get so impatient, especially in our Western culture. It's like if, if you say you did something, I want to see the end of it right now. Show me the results. What happened? It's like we want it instantaneously to all happen. Jesus has accomplished it all instantaneously as far as he's concerned in eternity. But then he's waiting for his people to establish it here in the earth. Does that make sense? When, when, when you got born again, was it true or not that you were instantly righteous? That you were instantly forgiven? That you were justified? Do you still do stupid things? I say yes. Look at the person next to you and say, you should have said yes to that. We still do stupid things. I, I say yes to that one. So, but what happens is there is this rollout of truth in my life. What Jesus did for me when he saved me is true and settled forever. But every day that I live on this earth, I look more like him. I'm, if, if I'm cooperating with the Holy Spirit, his character and nature is being developed in me. I'm walking in more victory today than I did yesterday. I am experiencing this rollout of his life in my life. And it's the same thing that's been happening on a global scale across the earth since the cross. So. We said he removed the devil's authority. You remember last week? We, or was it last week? Two weeks ago. We talked about Jesus was manifested. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. What happened is he actually undercut the authority the devil had to build anything permanent in this realm. 
And so for 2,000 years, Jesus has been waiting for the church just to start pushing and knocking over the things that the devil built. When we start to push on them, we find out there's no substance. There's no power there. It's a house of cards that the devil has built, but it looks impressive. And he tries to keep the world bound with something that's not. It's just a mirage. We start to push on it and it crumbles because Jesus has defeated it and given us authority. So I'm a believer that most of the bad news reports you see on TV are just the death throes of a diminishing kingdom. The, The devil has been robbed of his power. He's going under and he's making a big deal. He's splashing in the waves. Look at me trying to drag people down, but he's defeated. So that's that's the reality, the truth of the word. Uh, So Jesus won at the cross. We are simply enforcing the victory. Please don't undermine the cross with your outlook. You know, the moment we start to be pessimistic, the moment we start to think there's no hope. You ever look at a situation and say it's hopeless? How many of you know if you've looked at a situation and you've said it's hopeless, you are coming in opposition to the word of God. The, The hope of the world lives inside of us. There is no situation that is hopeless. There are difficult situations that aren't pleasant to walk through, but there is no situation that is hopeless because the hope of the world is right here inside of you. That's good news. That's part of the gospel that we preach and proclaim. Uh, He is the conqueror. He conquered death. But how many of you know Romans 8 says we are more than conquerors? Isn't that amazing what Jesus did, all the heavy lifting and the work that he did on the cross? He conquered death in the grave. He turns around and tells us you're more than conquerors. Come on. You ever hear the old cliche or the anybody ever be in a service where somebody gives an example of that? It's like I'm, I'm out. I work all day long. I get this paycheck. I've, I've conquered the job. I did it all well. I got all my work done. They paid me for it. And I go home and Pam says. <laughs> and, and I hand over the paycheck to Pam. How many of you know I conquered the job, but Pam is more than a conqueror. That's. that's I'm trusting that that doesn't really happen at our house exactly that way. But that is kind of the picture. It doesn't happen exactly that way, but we share everything. What's mine is yours and what's yours is mine, except for the TV remote. That's mine. Um, But that's kind of what the example, that's what the picture looks like with Jesus. He did everything that needed to be done, the things that we couldn't do on our own. He did it for us. He accomplished it all. And then he turns around and says, here, you get to walk in all the benefits of what I accomplished because you're more than a conqueror. That's good news right there. I am not getting anywhere in my notes, but it's good news. Uh, come on, if, if we don't believe that the power and the victory of the resurrection has been given to us, we might as well go home. There, there's no point in being here or doing what we do if we don't think that what he accomplished in his death and resurrection is ours also. Uh, So what we've said in this series, uh, we looked at a few things. Here's a quick recap. Scripture promises that things are getting better. You can make that case from Scripture. We've done it in the past sermon series. I'm not going to preach it again today. You can go back and listen to it later. Uh, We had this quote, by almost any measure, the world is better than it has ever been. That was that was from the Bill Gates Foundation annual 2014 letter. And my God, if a person in the world can have that outlook on what's happening in the future, 
can't we as the church at least think that God is doing something in the earth today? That He's actually been answering the prayers of His saints for 2,000 years. We've been, having, we've been having scores of people for thousands of years to now praying, Lord, let Your kingdom come. Let Your will be done. Why do we not think He's actually doing something in response to that prayer? Aren't we supposed to be believers? God, I believe that you're actually doing something in the earth today. So by almost any measure, the world is getting better than it's ever been. Uh, We made this case that all good gifts come from God. So the litmus test is if it's bearing good fruit, it was a good gift that came from a good God. And and I don't care if, if the person through which it came in the earth ever gave God glory or not. If it was a good gift, it came from him. We, we said when we talked about Jesus defeating sickness, I don't know if Jonas Salk ever turned around and said, God, thank you for releasing the cure to polio into my hands. I don't know if he ever did that or not, but I know where that gift came from because it dismantled the work of the enemy in the earth. It, it uprooted and cast out sickness. And no one in this room has suffered from polio today. Oh, or you might have when you're a little kid, but it's gone in the earth today if you're old enough. It, if it was a good gift, it came from our Father. Uh, so the next thing is we looked at a couple things. We said that Jesus defeated sin. And we looked at the effects of it. There's 2.1 billion Christians in the earth today. A third of the population of the world are saved. And it's continuing to increase. Uh, We looked at Jesus defeated poverty. Uh, The number of people living in extreme poverty is declining, as well as the effects of poverty, famine, slavery, uh, not getting educated. That's all going down. Uh, We said Jesus defeated sickness. There's diseases that have been eradicated. And then uh, I've said this a couple times, but I wanted to say it one more time because I like this verse. Light and dark can't coexist. Okay, As, as you shine, the darkness doesn't get darker. Okay, Bill didn't come in and turn on the lights this morning, and then we said, oh my, you know, back by where Vic's sitting, it got really dark in the corner as soon as Bill turned on the lights. As soon as he turned on the lights, the darkness left. All, all we have to do as Christians is shine. Shine, 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 and the darkness begins to flee. So here's, here's the verse that we read uh, last week. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. So that's part of our job is to restore and to paint the, the creation the way God wants it to be seen. Man, I'm for whatever outlook makes Jesus sound more powerful. That's the one I'm going with. I don't know what your theology is, but if it doesn't make Jesus sound more powerful, then I'm not for it. So here's a couple cartoons for you this week. Uh, for... Since there's a new Transformers movie, I, I caught Jonathan wearing a Transformers shirt the other day. So it says, uh, be an optimist prime and not a negatron. So uh, for all the older folks and non-sci-fi people, you don't get that. So, uh, but for my Transformer people, they do. So go ahead to the next one. Here's a couple batteries sitting at lunch. Why must you always be so negative? And that's, I just, I think about that. Please, please, please don't let the world have a more optimistic, hope-filled outlook than the church. We, we ought to be the ones that they look at us and scratch our head like, man, you guys are so optimistic about things. Are you sure? And yes. Let me tell you why. I know. I know the answer. I know him. His name's Jesus. So let's, let's not be so negative. So th- we've talked about all these other things. We said the last one we were going to talk about is death. So what progress has the kingdom been making against death in first uh, corinthians 15 it says he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet and it says the last enemy to be destroyed is death 
That's why we, that's why we saved death for last to talk about today. Because he said the last enemy to be destroyed is death. I love this translation of it. Uh, verse 26 in the mirror says, Resurrection life will finally triumph over every definition of death. The, the eventual outcome of everything, of all of time, eternity, is that every way that you could possibly define death will be completely gone. That, that includes one day physical death. It, it, it doesn't yet. Or the authority is there for us to walk in that. But everybody sitting in this room, you probably know somebody that died. In fact, everybody that's been around since Jesus I don't, there's nobody that's still alive that walked when Jesus walked. So everybody has died at some point. But that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't defeat death. Because there are some people that they were sitting there during the sickness talk saying, well, yeah, that, that's nice to talk about Jesus defeated sickness, but I know sickness really is powerful because I'm dealing with this. Well, you could make that same case. You could say, oh, sure, Jesus defeated death, but everybody dies. How is that a good victory? Maybe, you know, we aren't supposed to be moved by what we see. And there are more definitions of death than natural death. Although that's been being eradicated from the earth, too. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, but every way that you can define it will eventually cease because of the victory of the cross. Uh, if you don't know anybody that's been raised from the dead uh, since Lazarus isn't still around right now, uh, you can talk to Chris. That's, that's actually part of his testimony. When, when he was not living for Jesus, he OD'd and was declared dead. And, and God met him in that place and brought him back. So if you, want a, if you want a true, real life story of somebody, go talk to Chris and say, tell me, what was that like? And he will. Right? All right. Um, I'm, I'm vol- I just volunteered him talk to stay till four o'clock today and talk to everybody. Um, hope you didn't have Easter lunch plans. So. But it, it will one day even include physical death being eradicated from this world as Jesus establishes his kingdom. So I said this last week uh, regarding sickness, that one of the biggest challenges to our faith is how we feel in our physical body. And it is the same with death. We, we see death around us. That can be a real challenge to faith to say, OK, I believe that Jesus, you defeated death. Just like uh, I said, there are times we need to step back and get a wider view on the situation. You know, if, if we're only living in the moment, we might think think things are getting worse. But if we step back and look at it from the time of the cross till now, almost every measure is getting better. Same thing with death. You just need to step back a little further. (laughs) Like into eternity, you need to step back and and see the long view to see that death has been defeated. Uh, As Christians, natural death is not the end of your life. Are we we in agreement on that? Do you know you don't have to be afraid of death because that's not the end of your life? it's just, I'm, I could do it, I guess, but I could go walk through that door and you wouldn't see me anymore. Right. My location has changed, but my state of being has not. Right. And it's kind of that way with death. Right. We, we walk through a door into the next realm, into eternity with the Father, yes. but you're still alive. All right, well, let's look at some verses then. To look at some verses, that's why we're here. <laughs> Yeah, that is what did Paul? This was a funny one. This not in my notes, but it's a complete aside. You know, like heaven wasn't Paul's goal. Paul says, I'm I'm hoping to somehow attain the resurrection. He didn't say like, hey, I'm going to go be with heaven in heaven. That's the end all be all. He says, I'm going to be partaker in the resurrection. 
that's that's what I'm striving for. That's what I'm achieving is life eternal. So uh, Genesis 2.17 is the first time that that we see death come into the world. Uh, God had told Adam and Eve one thing. How many of you think you could do one thing? It's like, you know, your kids are like, oh, Dad, you've got too many rules in the house. And it's like, it wouldn't matter if you just have one. It would still probably not go well because that's how it worked out. He told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was, that was the only thing he told them. What did they do? They ate from the tree. You guys have been in Sunday school or something. You learned all this. Uh, Genesis 2.17, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And what did the devil lie to them and say? Go ahead and eat. You won't die. How many of you know that literally the moment they ate the fruit, physical death was introduced into the world? Decay and aging began at that point. That's, that's kind of the, the lie that was in there is the death was not promised to happen instantaneously. It, it was not eat from this tree and I will strike you down right now. It was eat from this tree and you will die. That's how death entered into the world through sin. That, that is the wages of sin is death. That's, that's what empowers death, is sin. It comes into the world through sin. It wasn't instantaneous, but it empowered death, and death's effects began to be seen in the earth. Adam and Eve began to age at that point, and eventually Adam died. So Romans 5.12 says it this way, Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And this way death came to all men because all sinned. Uh, Easter Sunday, we're celebrating that the cross and the resurrection wiped out sin. The Lamb of God came to take away the sin of the world. So if sin empowers death and death has been defeated and taken away, maybe, just maybe, death's power has been taken away from the earth. Hmm, that'll make you go home and think about it for a while. Uh, How about this? We'll look at a couple other people in the Bible. Here's even King David living in the Old Covenant. He says this in Psalm 118, I will not die. Huh. Maybe, you know, that's a pretty amazing statement to make as a person that knows that everybody dies. Yet even living in the old covenant, David said, I will not die. What's he say? He says, but I will live and proclaim what the Lord has done. He actually says this. This is in the context right a few verses before he said the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. So he's saying this in the context of prophesying about Jesus, declaring that Jesus was going to come and deal with our situation. He says, I will not die. How's it? How, well, how, David died. No, he didn't. He went through that door. He's not here where we can see him anymore, but he is alive. How's that for a comforting thought for you this morning? He was looking forward to a time when Jesus would defeat death. Uh, in Habakkuk, the prophet in Habakkuk says, Oh, Lord. Are you not from everlasting, my God, my Holy One, we will not die. So even before Jesus came on the scene, they started to have this, this insight into what he was going to do. Eternal life was being bestowed into the world through Jesus. Second uh, Timothy 1.9 says this, This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. How's that for having it covered? like ahead of time, even before time started, I gave it to you. He says, this grace was given us before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Watch this. 
who has destroyed death. Everybody say destroyed death. Destroyed death. Just, just stop and think about that one for a minute. He destroyed death. Yeah. That's good news on an Easter Sunday. He destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He brought it to light. It was there for the taking, but He made it evident and included us through the Gospel. How many of you know that's why it's pretty important to proclaim the Gospel to people? (laughs) To let them know Jesus came so that you could have life and immortality. That's a pretty amazing word. Uh, Death was destroyed. Uh, If I look up the word destroyed, it literally means to cease, to put an end to, to abolish it. To render it unemployed was one of the definitions. Like, hey, death, you're out of a job, dude. And, and you don't even get to go like file a claim and collect half benefits. It's like you're unemployed. And uh, one of the other definitions of, of death was being destroyed was to annul it. Maybe, you know, like when you annul a marriage, it's like been dissolved like it never existed. It, it, you don't have any further obligation to that covenant, to that contract, because it's been annulled. He annulled death's relationship with us. Man, that's good news. Uh, So how about the story of Lazarus since we mentioned him already? John 11, 25, Jesus was talking to Lazarus' sister. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Man, he asked her that question. I still hear him asking us that today. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I think I will because I'm a kingdom optimist. And I think all the promises in this book are true and for me. Natural, natural death doesn't end things in God's economy. Go through the door. Uh, here it is in the message. I like the John 11:25. It says, "You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now." Yeah. <laughs> That's good right there. You don't have to wait for the end with a capital E. We got too many people in the world today looking at the newspaper waiting for the end of the world. You don't have to wait for the end. He's the resurrection life right now. I am right now. Look at your neighbor and say, I am right now is good news. I mean, that's that sounds a whole lot like when Moses was at the burning bush and said, who shall I send me? And the, the, the God replies out of the bush, I am is sending you. And then Jesus comes on the scene later and they ask him, they, the high priest, you know, they're beating him, they're accusing him, they're, they're having him standing on trial. And they said, I admonish you in the name of the living God. Tell us, are you the Christ? And what does Jesus say to them? I am. He wasn't just answering their question. Yes, he was saying, I am. Come on, that's, that's why they tore their robes and said, blasphemy, do we need to hear anymore? Let's get him out there. He said, I am. And he tells us still today, I am right now. Quit waiting around for something else to happen and live with the I am right now. That's, that's really good news. And if your neighbors are hurting, if the people at your workplace are hurting, it's really good news that I am right now produces life in you because there's a lot of people in the world that need that life to be released. And it comes through the body of Christ realizing I am right now lives in me. Do you believe this? He asked Mary. 
Mm. Here's just a couple other verses. First John 3.14 says, We know that we pass from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. How about that? Your, your love for others is actually evidence that death has been defeated. We, we want this message to be claimed, proclaimed to the world and for them to believe it. We need to start loving each other. <laughs> How else are we going to tell them that's part of the fruit? That's part of the, the evidence that he did what he said he did on the cross is when we love each other. And we're all we're all amen in the the I am lives in us. But it's a little harder to think about. I love that person that. Joe looks kind of funny. I'm not sure I could love him. That's part of the proof to the world that death has been defeated. That we don't live, that our contract with death has been annulled is when we love one another. Ah. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Didn't put that one on the screen, but that was a good one to read. Uh, John 6, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, Jesus says. Here's, here's another one that will make you go, hmm, then I want to show you a couple graphs. Hebrews 9, 27. Because we always say this about death, right? Oh, it's just appointed unto man wants to die. Anybody ever hear that verse? And that's the proof everybody dies. And he says, just as man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. So everybody... Appointment with death, right? We all we look at that verse. Everybody's going to die. What does Colossians three three say? All right, I'll tell you. It says here's here's the first three words of Colossians three three. For you died. Your contract with death has been annulled. You're. Your appointment with death, I, I think there, we are still going to be aging and decaying until Jesus returns and gives us a new body. But you already died. Colossians 3.3, 3, actually, that's part of why we're here celebrating Easter Sunday is when Jesus died, I died too. Well, I was there. I died. I, I, I was included. Look at your neighbor and say, I died. Look at, your, look at your other neighbor and say, it was a good day. We don't usually put those two things together like, hey, I'm going to die and it was a good day. I died and it was a good day. (laughs) That's awesome, right? You can have no fear of death because as far as God's economy is concerned, you've already died. That's why you can enter into any situation. You can go to Africa where they might eat you. They might put you in a pot and eat you or something. I don't have to fear that because as far as God is concerned, I've already died. I don't have to worry about, you know, as difficult as it was to go through things with my dad and see him suffering with cancer. He didn't have an ounce of fear in him. Why? Because as far as God was concerned, he'd already died. This was just going through the door to get there where he was going. We don't have to fear death as Christians. That'll set some people free. Yeah, that's right. That might make you actually do some stuff for Jesus. <laughs> he says, man is destined to die once and after that face the judgment. You already died and you faced the judgment. And God declared you not guilty because of the blood of Jesus. So, so if Jesus really has undercut the authority of death in this world and things are getting better, there should be 
some evidence, right? There maybe should be some data to support that. All right. Glad you asked. We're going to look at a couple things. How many of you know the opposite of death is life? So, so anything that extends, improves life, where did that come from? A good God that gives good gifts. So this kind of goes along with some of the things we looked at with sickness. But here's the first one. There's the graph of life expectancy. That's just from 1960. It, it shows a couple different lines. What's happening in North America? It's gone from about 70 to about 78, just in four or five decades here. Uh, in East Asia, in the Pacific countries, it's actually gone. The life expectancy in 1960 was 47 years. And it's gone up to uh, slightly over 70, 74 is where that number is right now. And in the entire world, it's gone from 52, 53 up to almost 70. That's just since 1960. If, if you take that graph back farther, life expectancy has actually doubled since when Jesus was born in, in 180 or whatever that was. So life expectancy has increased. That looks like a good gift from a good God that cares about life and has undercut the authority of death to be permanent in this world. Even, even in Africa, it was, it was 36 was the life expectancy as recent as 1950. And today it's, it's over 65. I, see, that's, that's where I talk about perspective. You, you talk to a lot of Christians in America, things are getting better, and they're like, nah. Yeah, yeah. You go talk to a Christian in Africa, they're like, dude, I'm expecting to live twice as long as my dad. How's that for good news? And, and you're convinced that things are getting better. So that's what's been happening with life expectancy. How about this? People that live over 100 years are called centenarians. Anybody ever heard that term? Probably you might have or you might not have because it not it didn't used to be that common. How many of you know here? I heard this on the radio. I heard somebody actually talking. They said 100 is the new 80. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember those? Everybody's always like, you know, 50 is the new 40. 60 is the new 30. They, they said 100 is the new 80. Well, why is that? People are living longer. Life has been extended because the authority and power of death has been undercut in the world. So, yeah, from the picture, it, guys, we, we got some praying to do because if you go look at the stats, it is a lot of women. So maybe I guess guys aren't wired to have as much faith and just believe like the women believe. I don't know. But we need to get we need to get our, ourselves in there. Uh, in, as recently as 1950, there were only 23000 people in the whole world that were over 100 years old. 2009. 455,000. And this is not this is not just like, hey, you're in a bed at a home and somebody's feeding you through a straw and you, you know, you can't. You know what I mean? This is like people are starting to experience quality of life even at this age. My, my grandmother is 91 years old and still lives in a three-story house by herself and is full of spit and vinegar and life and just I, I tell Grammy, I said, I hope when I'm 70, I got as much energy as you have at 91. She's up and she's out and she's doing all this stuff. She tells, she tells us the other day, she tells my mom, uh, mom's at the house sitting talking with her. And Grammy all of a sudden just stands up. And my mom's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Grammy says, well, I read a report somewhere that says we need to stand more. <laughs> that it's good for you. So I've been standing up all the time. <laughs> so she just pops up and stands around. But. How many of you know that that is a, that is a quality of life that is not just like we figured out how to keep you alive and your brains in there. Some, you are you can expect to have life. That's good news. Here's another one that's good news. Uh, what's been happening with death with babies? 
uh, infant mortality since 1900. This is just in the United States, but it's it's a same similar sloped graph for the entire world. So just since 1900, here here where is it in the percentage wise? In 1900, almost 20 percent of infants were expected to die. So so within the first year, they would have some kind of disease or life would just be so hard that, that babies were dying at, at a 20% clip. So one out of every five babies that was born wasn't going to live a year. That's, that's harsh, isn't it? That's, that wasn't the good old days. <laughs> that wasn't a good time to be alive. Uh, in 1980, this number dropped to 7.6%. As recently as 2012, it's 3.6%. Sounds like life is exploding and the power of death has been undercut in the world. Uh, here's another graph that just shows you the number of childhood deaths. So these are these are kids, you know, between infant and 18 years old that die every year from various diseases and things that go on in the world. As recently as 1990, it was 12 million kids a year that, that died from some type of disease. 2011, 6.9 million. How many of you know that's still 6.9 million too many? But it's like half of what it was as recently as two decades ago. It sounds to me like the kingdom is advancing and life is being spread throughout the world. And, and it, it could be clean water. It could be hygiene. It could be vaccinations. Whatever. I don't care what it is. It's producing life. Looks like a good gift to me that came from a good God. Here's another one. For uh, all of us between 35 and 69, uh, this is mortality rates from any type of death in the United States. So just since 1950, people in the 35 to 69 year, year old age group, anybody here in that group? Anybody, anybody think it's a good thing not to be worried as much about dying in that age group? Just since 1950, it's almost dropped in half. And this is like diseases, things that happen that you get killed, just whatever it is, mortality from any cause. It, it gives you, if you don't have to read the fine print, but it tells you for, for men it's 48% less than 1955 and for women it's 43% less. That's life undermining death. That's the light restoring the God colors into the world. All right. Uh, just because I found them, here's a couple other I wanted to give you. Uh, the next one is death from extreme weather. Does God ever get blamed for that? Like, yeah, do you ever get the question like, well, how could a good God let you know the mudslide happen or this tornado? This how about even you know? And God didn't do that. Okay, God, God is not the author of death. He didn't send any of that. Um, this is death from extreme weather. <laughs> Oh, deaths per million people that are in the in the world uh, from extreme weather has gone from over 450 to almost zero. Thank you, God. Yes. Now, why is that? Oh, well, we've got better hurricane advance warning. You know, we've got better ways to predict things. We've got sturdier houses. You know, we built earthquake-proof houses. Where did all that knowledge come from? A good God that cares about life and doesn't want people to die. Ah. A good God that doesn't want sin to be empowered to produce death in the world. He would much rather the people of God rise up with kingdom power and produce life in the world. And, and here's the last one for, I have for a graph. Deaths from accidents. Anybody in the room know any stupid people? 
This even includes them. Accidental deaths from being dumb. But, but in all seriousness, I mean, there are accidents that happen. And they are accidents. You had nothing to do with being dumb. It's just, but there are some. That's, that's probably what still makes up the graph. I just, somebody told me one time, they, no, I better not say that. Anyway, <laughs> stick with the notes. Uh, I'm off track now. Um, this, is, this graph is from 1905 to 1998, deaths from accidental injuries. So it's like even just completely random things that, that could, you know, people could or could not avoid. So... You know, erase from your mind. I mean, I'll, I'll go back and edit the sound later Thank and you. take out all the references to stupid people. Uh, just somebody that has accident that it wasn't even their fault. Right. It's been going down for a century because the power of death has been undercut in the world. That's right. Death, death is saying, oh, I used to be able to even just kill them by accidents. You know, things happen and tough luck. Death can't even have that much power anymore. Amen. Amen. Even from accidents. Amen. So, how do we practically defeat the enemy of death? Because he, he has, death has been defeated at the cross, and it's been progressively rolling out for 2,000 year, years now. What does the body of Christ do? Uh, share the gospel. How many of you know, we, we read a verse there that said, life and immortality was revealed through the gospel. think we ought to be sharing the gospel with people. think we ought to be loving people, because that's evidence to the world that death has been defeated. So... Love each other. Let that be your witness. And then pray for healing and pray for dead people. It's, it's not as easy to do in the United States. They, they don't let you around the dead people too much. But there are places where you get opportunities to pray for dead people. If you ever get a chance, take it. Yeah. Can I just say that? If you find a dead person, pray for them to be raised. Yeah. I, I gave it a shot with Dad. It, it didn't, he didn't come back to life at that moment, but Dad's not dead right now. So... Yeah, right. Uh, but I, I still pray for it because I'm like, how many times do you get to be right around a dead person? That <laughs> Pray for sick people, too, because some sicknesses cause people to die. So if we pray for healing and sick people, that's a way to undermine death. So the other thing I was thinking, and I didn't put this up on the screen. We need to begin to change some of our mindsets, our beliefs, our things that come out of our mouth, what we confess and what we say. And so... Uh, when we leave today, I, I sent Connie a, a song that I wanted to play this morning to go on the way out. And I think it's, it's one of those songs that is just good words that need to be coming out of our mouth. Yep. To believe that Jesus has defeated death, that, yes. that he's conquered. So yes. we're going to play that and sing it on the way out. But I'd like you to go ahead and stand. And uh, I want to pray for you before we even play this song. Maybe you're glad that Jesus defeated death. Yes. And I am so glad he did it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing that, that he actually used death to defeat death? It's, it's like somebody getting shot with their own gun. Oh, you don't have to play it yet. Did you ever think about that? Somebody, like somebody getting shot with their own gun? That's kind of what he did. Like, I killed death by dying. And, and I deprived of it all of its power. And, and thank God, I died with him too. So I don't have to live under that threat and that fear of death. Father, I thank you that you are a giver of life. 
and that uh, it includes in the physical realm giving life. And God, I ask, even as, as we took time to declare resurrection life over one another during worship this morning, I ask that you would release your life-giving power into our, into our being, Lord God. Everything that concerns us, body, soul, and spirit, every circumstance, every situation that revolves around, uh, around us, Lord God, release your life into it. Let us see the fruit and the evidence of the power of the cross and the victory of the resurrection. Lord, we love... We, I love, Lord Jesus, that it's not just book knowledge. It's not just head knowledge. You did stuff that's practical in our lives. God, we're so grateful for that. We don't have to argue people into the kingdom. We just get to love them and talk about Jesus and display what you've done. Lord, help us. Empower us to do that to everyone that we meet. God, I ask that as we go from this place today, we would walk with hope that we would walk with the authority and power of right. life, right. that, we would be, uh, that we would so be aware of Your Spirit's life-giving power inside of us when we go places that we choose to release it. Hmm. Lord, we love You. We thank You for what You've done in our lives. And uh, Lord, even as we sing this song, uh, let the confession of it sink into our mind, into our heart, Lord God. Let, it be, let us declare truth that it comes from Your Word, Lord Jesus, and not from what's going on in the world around us. Let's go ahead and play that song and and sing it together. Strength is gone. You're the one who calls me on. You are the light. You are the fight that's in my soul. Oh, your resurrection power burns like fire in my heart. When waters rise, I lift my eyes up to your throne.
Our Lord. 